0: radio md radio MD.com. hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the american academy of pediatrics it's healthy children now
1: our favorite mom melanie cole ms Welcome to Healthy Children, where all of our expert guests are provided by the American Academy of Pediatrics. I'm Melanie Cole, and I'm so glad to talk to you today about picky eaters and vegetarian kids. And joining me is Dr. Natalie Degati-Muth. She's a pediatrician, registered dietitian, and award-winning author. Dr. Muth, it's a pleasure to have you join us again today. It's been a while since you've joined us, and You know, as a mom, my kids are now 18 and 21. And as an exercise physiologist, I always was so involved in the cooking. I grew up in a big cooking family. And so I I saw my friends with their picky eaters. I saw all of that going on and I didn't really get it. I get it a little more now, but tell us a little bit about why nutrition is really so important for our young children and when do we start trying to feed them healthy foods? Hi, Melanie, thank you so much for having me back. Uh, And you were very
0: lucky and probably a little bit um, in the minority not having to deal with any um, picky eating at all in your household, because most of the time, uh, many families, even despite doing everything by the book, sometimes, you know, kids can be a little bit picky. And uh, to answer your question, when do we start trying to get our kids to eat healthy and kind of what can we do from the get go? Really, I believe it all starts um, at negative nine months of age. It starts in pregnancy in utero, and we're getting more and more research that shows us that the maternal diet um, plays such a huge impact on that uh, developing baby. And it it does even in the foods and the preferences that the child will have later. So a baby in utero who's exposed to all kinds of different tastes and flavors um, through the amniotic fluid is actually going to be more likely to like those flavors and tastes later on as they get older. And, and try the foods themselves. Same thing with breastfeeding. Um, a mom who's breastfeeding and is eating a wide variety of foods, spicy foods, vegetables, fish, all that um, is more likely to have a baby who once you start solid foods and are introducing them to a variety of you know table foods will be more likely to be willing to eat the vegetables or try the fish or experiment with um, foods that some people may think are unusual.
1: Well, I know that I was lucky, because I used to see parents, and one of the things, Dr. Muth, that I I had to bite my tongue and hold my tongue when I would see a parent, we'd be sitting at a restaurant, and and a friend of mine would say, oh, no, no, you're not going to like that. You don't have to try that. Or, you know, oh, no, we're not going to order that. They won't like it. And I'm always like, well, why would you even you know, suggest that? But Okay. I, I, I digress. I'm not here to you know, bash parents because this is such a big topic. And as you say, I was lucky and it's not easy to get kids to eat. So first of all, are there recommendations for fruits, veggies, grains, children? Has that changed as far as nutrition? Can you tell us what we want to be feeding our kids? Yeah, so um, just to,
0: to comment on your side, it's it's true parents do have a tendency to, to think that a child won't like something and maybe even make a judgment before um, the kid gets exposed to it. But we do really encourage parents to not to hold their tongue, bite their tongue, because um, kids will surprise us. They often do. Uh, yeah. So. One of the reasons that parents can struggle with this so much is because you know when they come to the office and we're talking to them about a healthy diet for their children, we're reminding them that you want your child to eat lots of fruits and vegetables. And ideally, half the plate should include fruits and vegetables. And we want to have that balance. And we often talk about um, you know aiming for five vegetables and fruits a day. And, and we're saying this to parents who are struggling with a toddler at home who's refusing all vegetables or anything that's green. They don't even want to touch it. And so it it can be really hard. And a lot of times uh, parents will then react by saying, well, you must eat it and force them to eat it or reward them for eating it or get into these bribes and, and barters to trying to get the kids to eat the vegetables, which in the moment they might eat it, but in the long run, it actually makes them less likely to like the vegetable later, less likely to eat it in the future and overall less likely to have that healthy eating plan down the road that we want them to have. Um, so it can, it can be a really frustrating process. Um, and, and what we recommend to parents and what the studies have played out as the way to kind of do this, to get the child to like these things and to choose them on their own eventually um, is to, to model it. Um, so parents as role models, older siblings, if, they're, if they like to eat vegetables, you know, as role models, offering that balanced meal that we recommend that kids have, um, you know, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, trying to not have too many snacks throughout the day because kids can get full on snacks and then not eat their meals but then letting the child decide of the food that's offered to them what they're going to eat and how much of it so really it's not the parent's job to make sure the kid eats the vegetables and the fruit it's the parent's job or the caretaker's job to make sure that the kid has lots of exposures to the vegetables and fruits and has less competing foods that any child is going to be more likely to want to pick something that's sweet or salty, like fries or chips or cookies, you know, rather than than that healthy food that maybe is a little bit more bitter or that they have to kind of train their taste buds to like. 100%
1: and that autonomy helps kids feel better about what they're eating. But if any parent says, okay, you can have this apple or you can have this candy bar, of course they're gonna choose the candy bar. So we have to make their choices within that realm. So tell us a little bit about picky eating per se. When we've got a picky eater, how often do you keep trying with say maybe a five-year-old? What if they're still picky at 11, 12? How do we get them to try these foods?
0: Yeah, it's a great question because it, this the strategy and the approach you take really does change as the child's age and developmental stage changes. So for example, the five-year-old who maybe still has some picky preferences, um, peer influence is really impactful. So if they're around peers that tend to try new things or have healthier eating habits, um, that can be something that can per- persuade without making a big deal out of it, kind of, you know, um, kind of in a low-key kind of way, get the child to want out of their own volition to try something because their friend is. Um, But it's still the idea of offering that same family meal, eating together as often as possible, having the balance, letting the kids know, you know, it can take lots of tries of something to like it. Uh, we know it can take 15 or more tries of a food for a child or so, or a person, anyone, to like something. But the taste buds do change, and they may start to like something that they didn't think that they liked or that they really didn't like when they were younger. Um, also, as kids get older, especially like the, the five-year-old age range, they, they start to be interested in being healthy, and they want to be healthy. So for that five-year-old who is still picky, that peer influence can be really impactful and also repeated exposures to food. So just still having it, the family meal times, having that balanced meal, being okay with them, refusing it, but not catering to the refusal. And if they end up not eating anything at dinner because they don't like anything that's there, then that's their prerogative. But there's not another meal that's going to be offered to them later. They kind of have to wait for the next you know, for breakfast or the next time that there's going to be, there's going to be food offered. As kids get older.
1: Well, that's true.
0: Yeah. You know, so parents feel a lot of anxiety about letting a child go to bed hungry. Um, But for a normally developing child who's at a healthy weight, you know, who's not too underweight and we don't have to be super concerned that they miss a meal or something like that. It's actually really helpful in the process to just have that structure and the, the rules about, when food's offered and if they don't want anything at the moment that's okay they don't have to eat but it isn't going to be just offered again when they say they're hungry the parents are not expected to be short order cooks and cater to you know their child's every whim
1: that's what my mom used to say uh, it's so funny you say that cuz i mean i came from six kids and and foster kids there was a lot of kids in my house and my mother would say i'm not a short order cook you know this is what i'm putting out you don't like it breakfast is kind of a long way away. So there you go, here it is, sit down, eat, and you'll be happy about it. And that's kind of the line that I took with my kids. I never really made separate food. Oh, because you don't like that, I'll make you some bagel bites or something. You know, I mean, that's. I think that that's something that parents find easy is if a kid is picky, they make them what they want, as opposed to what everybody else is having. Now, what if your kid is not necessarily getting the right nutrients because they're a picky eater. And then I'd like you to kind of segue into vegetarian kids or a vegetarian family and how to get our kids the proper nutrients in that case.
0: Yeah, so a child who's has really limited intake or isn't gaining weight properly or growing properly due to more severe picky eating or there's a concern, you know, that they're not getting enough nutrients, it is really important to check in with that child's pediatrician, look at the growth chart, talk through it, try to get a sense from the kid, too, like what is it about the foods that is is challenging to them or that's making them, you know, not want to try them. Sometimes there's something else underlying going on and having extra support to the pediatrician, occupational therapy, feeding teams can be really helpful to help that child to expand their acceptable foods. And in many cases, you know, we don't always recommend that kids be on a multivitamin or take any any nutrition supplements, but sometimes uh, it is helpful. And especially as kind of a, a backup or insurance while you're working on getting that child to accept more foods, to make sure that they're getting the nutrients that their body needs to grow properly and for them to develop properly. And so that that does segue a little bit into vegetarian eating, especially now as there's um, increasing number of children, um, young children, and and adolescents too, who are interested in adopting a vegetarian diet, and for many reasons. Um, but we're seeing a lot of reasons regarding you know the concern about the climate, concern about animal welfare, and so one of the things that we as parents uh, need to you know to be aware of is well, and some families are doing it together too, but sometimes it's just the kids. What is what impact does that have nutritionally? And really, it do, it can be very healthy for children, and and they can get all the nutrients that their body needs with a well planned vegetarian diet. Uh, but if the child is very picky and refuses, you know, most plants, and then is saying they want to be vegetarian, then you might have to you know work with them a little bit more because there could be some concerns at that point that there could be some nutritional deficiencies.
1: So interesting. And I think getting kids involved helps too, right, Dr. Muth? It's like if you get them involved in maybe growing the tomatoes or the peppers and then harvesting them and then, you know, cooking them or taking them to the grocery store and saying, why don't we pick out a new vegetable? Let's all try it together. And and we'll look up a recipe and we'll figure out how to make kale or bok choy or something that could help too right to get the kids involved make them feel especially our littler kiddos get them involved
0: absolutely and there's good there's good research that supports this. kids who are involved in helping you know they have the power in helping to choose uh what the vegetable might be or helping to choose what dinner might be but then also being engaged as you mentioned in growing the foods selecting them at the store helping to prepare them and cook them all of those things help make it more likely that the child is gonna try the food. And what we're aiming for is those tries because we know with repeated trials, with repeated exposures to a food, then the taste buds do change and a child does start to like them more. So the, the goal is for the child to want to try the foods and cooking, with helping, having them help cook, having them help pick out things, grow things, are all um, steps in a process that helps them um, be interested in trying something
1: now there was a little bit of a um a trend for a while where we would see people on tv or whatever it was i think before TikTok and all how to hide foods healthy foods into things for your kids what do you think of that dr muth i never thought it was a great idea to be hiding unless you were really trying to get some extra fiber or extra vitamins or something but do you remember when they were doing that hiding healthy foods inside things so kids would eat it
0: Yes. Yeah. And and people still do that a lot. And I agree with you. I don't encourage it um, because it can backfire in some ways. So one way is if a child really feels deceived by that, um, if they find out that you've been sneaking things in or hiding things they didn't know, they lose some trust and it can make them a little bit suspicious later on. So I kind of it can damage the bond a little bit. Also, we know that kids will come around to liking something if they try it but it has to be like in its real form so trying spinach as a salad is different than having spinach that's hidden into brownies or that's mixed into a smoothie because you don't actually taste the spinach itself um, when it's mixed in with something else Uh, but it's not to say to never mix you know you can make a, a green smoothie and a child much may be much more likely to try that with the spinach and then to eat the spinach by itself. And it can sometimes be fine to, you know, to have that as part of this, the process, but I wouldn't keep it a secret. I wouldn't be about hiding. I would just try to engage the child and they may know that it's there, but they might decide that they wanna try it anyway. And, and then when they like it, um, they find out that, hey, maybe there's some other things I might like to try that I will like too.
1: So before we wrap up and what a great topic, Tell us about the importance of eating together to foster that love of a variety of foods and healthy eating, that family mealtime. But before you even do that, I wanted to tell you, Dr. Muth, when my kids were little and they would bring lunch to school, the whole lunchroom ideology was don't yuck my yum. And that's what they would all say before every meal. They had to say that, meaning like if one kid brought... Uh, You know, a sandwich or another kid brought some vegetables or tofu, whatever it was, no kids were allowed to say, ew, that doesn't look good. Or you weren't allowed to yuck somebody else's yum. So I just wanted to put that out there because I thought that was such a, a cool thing that their school did when they were little.
0: Yeah, I agree. That is that is very cool. It's kind of along the same lines of the idea of not uh, telling a child they're not that they're gonna not like something before they get a chance to experience it. Really having a positive approach around things and letting the child decide for themselves whether they like something um, or want to explore uh, a, a new food. And and that it links into the family meals a lot as well because at the meal times you know encouraging all the family members to not make assumptions about whether something is going to be good or not or if they like something or they think a child will or will not like something Uh, we know from a good amount of research that families that eat together um, have children who eat a healthier diet are more likely to eat fruits and vegetables who have a healthier relationship with food who have a stronger bond with their families. We know that adolescents who eat family meals are less likely to engage in risk-taking behaviors, um, and they're more likely to have healthy habits, healthy behaviors, try foods, which, you know, we talk about toddlers and their pickiness, but actually the the lowest quality diet that one has in their lifetime is when they're adolescents um, across the board. <laughs> so adolescents who eat with their families, you know, and be able to persuade them to try some vegetables too, um, not by forcing them or talking about it too much or making a big deal of it. But having them help with cooking, like you say, having them help choose out, um, help with the meal plan, or maybe they're responsible for making a balanced meal one night. And then just everybody at the family having the same foods and, and enjoying them together.
1: Well, they sure can get away with it a little bit more when they're teenagers. I swear I'm gonna come back as a 15 year old boy with a hollow leg so I can just eat anything I want and not gain any weight. But thank you so much, Dr. Muth, for joining us today. What a fun conversation this was and parents, Share this show with your friends and family on your social channels because that's how we're all learning from the experts, the gold standard, our pediatricians from the AAP together. I mean, they are the ones helping us raise our children. That's what it's all about and that's why we love our pediatricians so very much. You can listen to this show on Spotify and iTunes and TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcast, anywhere podcasts are played. But of course, we want you to listen at RadioMD.com. So for the American Academy of Pediatrics, Healthy Children, HealthyChildren.org and RadioMD, I'm Melanie Cole, stay well.